And with that, friends, it is a Tuesday edition of OGP coming in off the holiday weekend. One Giant Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Arbrecht, covering the Giants and also the Brooklyn Nets of the Locked On Nets podcast. And over there, the generational season ticket holder will be front and center present for game day this week. The healthy, wealthy, and wise Mr. Andrew Makowitz. How are we, sir? Oh, man, it feels like it has been ages since we've had relevant New York Giants football. Adam, give yourself a pat on the back. We've been holding down the fort on waiver claims and depth charts <laughs> and, and fourth string you know, centers that are going to be on the practice squad. But this week, it's all about the New York Giants outlook and the Denver Broncos. Buddy, officially, right? Like... We talk about all a season. It's finally the 2021 NFL season. We finally got ourselves there. And even though we are coming in uh, today on a Tuesday, as we roll into the regular season, we're going to start doing our, our in-season format. That'll be coming in on Monday, breaking down what we saw from Sunday's game, the things that we liked, the big plays, et cetera. And then later in the week now on Thursdays, that'll be the day that we come in. Hopefully I have a guest lined up this week. We're going to be bringing in Candice Cooper. Uh, she is a host of Locked On. ACC and also a big time Giants fan. So she'll be talking about the matchup of the Broncos with us, but then we'll look ahead and we'll talk about some of the things that we like or don't like. We're going to cover in between their betting lines and over unders that we think are good from a yardage standpoint. I think Andy's pretty big on field goal opportunities. So we're going to keep an eye on all that stuff. So YouTube's going to kind of also give us some of that feather in between. So a lot of really excited to finally get into the spot as Andy and I have spent weeks and weeks lining this up friends uh the way that we wanted to approach this year and and just unless i'm excited let's just put that like front and center i'm just excited now that we start to get to talk about the giants and their season and and what we hope is going to happen here yeah i'm pumped i mean the second that uh sunday hit and and you saw all the different memes and people on twitter being like you're seven days out from from like nfl sunday football but we're even days now hours away from the opening game which is hopefully going to deliver the cowboys a loss zero and one before the giants even kick off on sunday that's the beauty of it right you almost feel like you've won already if you get a division opponent dropping a game uh, ahead of your matchup the 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 thing that we did uh, say coming into this and what I think the the final mechanisms of the offseason is when captains get named and that certainly can be exciting um Logan Ryan I, I'll say this there's a handful of guys uh Logan Ryan got named a captain I, I said it over on Twitter it's like boy if this wasn't the most no-brainer kind of already thought he was a captain basically like you know like as soon as right. he came to the team you were like well Logan Ryan's a captain and now they make it official coming to this year but you had a, a surprising one and I think in a positive way among that captain's group as well yeah, I mean, Nick Gates being named a, a captain of this team, if you thought there was instability across the offensive line, well, they don't feel that. The, the organization doesn't feel that with Nick Gates. You know, yeah. goes from being undrafted, just trying to make the team, then they move him to a whole host of positions. They're like, hey, maybe play guard. Hey, uh, I don't know, tackle seems to be wor- working pretty good. Like, why don't you give it a try out there? And then, you know, ultimately, he, he, you know, he had he dealt with some injuries. It, it was a slow burn to be able to get Nick Gates to where he is today. Congratulations to him, man. M- making captain, being the anchor, that centerpiece. It's one spot where the Giants don't necessarily have to worry across the offensive line, which should be music to all Giant fans' ears. Oh, absolutely lovely. And that's why we always say didn't want to see him get shuffled or moved around because that relationship with Daniel Jones is important. And maybe that's a, an indication of what to expect in the offseason when Nick Gates has a chance to get himself a new contract. Let's do it. As we said, we're going to break down the games we saw, but there's no game to break down. So 
This is the outlook of the upcoming season. We did this way back when, pre-draft, you know, the, the knee-jerk reaction, where we thought this team was going to go. But I think it's worth now. We've had a whole offseason, a lot of positives on the defensive side of the ball, maybe some question marks on the offensive side. Where, where do we stand on this team right now? I mean, just, just big picture. You look at the NFC East, you know what some of these other teams have done in the draft, you know some of these off-seasons have gone. Where, do, where does Andy stand on Big Blue ahead of ahead of a not a week one matchup we'll get into that later where does this season go for you what what do you you know what, what do you think are the 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 motors that are going to push the giants through this year so you look at this whole offseason you look at what the giants did with uh you know getting a dory jackson you know getting the big free agent prize at wide receiver with kenny galladay you, you look at some of the moves that were made by the giants and you felt like okay this is a really good defense that's going to be together again you've got you know, McKinney's going to be there for the whole time. Blake Martinez was great. We re-signed Leonard Williams to the big contract. And I'm feeling really good that we have a lot to build on here. And I'm getting excited. You know, a lot of Giant fans, while we did not have a winning record last year, we were one quarter away from going to the playoffs, right? Like, you know, the Giants handled business on the last day of the year to give themselves a shot at making the playoffs and say whatever. <laughs> I know, just I, I know, and I know you're going to acknowledge it. But the further that we get away from from that time period, is the less and less I feel good about the fact that we were competing. You know what I mean? It's like in the moment, I, I I didn't care. If we get in, we get in, baby. And now that you're here and you look back, you go, I'll tell you six wins, eh? That's that's the that's the big flag we planted. But I but I do know what you mean. Uh, well, listen, you know, Washington ends up sneaking into the playoffs. They go and, and they play against the Super Bowl champions in Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks. And guess what? They actually covered the spread. Like Washington was in that game in the fourth quarter. So as much as everyone wants to rag on the NFC East and much of it is well-deserved, they show that they were competitive and the Washington football team had an awesome defense. Yeah. So, so when I think about it, the Giants were one quarter away and the Eagles playing their starting quarterback away from potentially making the playoffs. Now, that is not going to give anyone too much confidence because, like you said, six wins shouldn't be making the playoffs in a 16-game season. Now we're talking about 17-game season. And, and Adam, I'm just now getting slightly worried. Oh, like when we, we saw when we saw what happened with I the didn't offensive know it was line. Go this way. I thought I thought we were. I thought you were building to uh, a ton of positivity. <laughs> no, well, all, all off season, I'm looking at it. I'm like seven wins, right? Vegas says the Giants are projected for seven wins. That means the Giants, you know, like we're looking at it and saying we need to improve one more win on what we did last season. Like, oh, that should be possible. Then we see all the offensive line decisions come come to roost. When you, you see letting Zeitler go, not drafting someone like Slater in the first round this year when he was available to you, you see what that's done. It's shaken my confidence on the offensive line tremendously. And that's my biggest worry about the outlook for this team is I think this defense is going to be solid. We saw it in the preseason. I think that they could be a top six or seven defense in this in the entire NFL. Yeah. The real question is, whether or not Daniel Jones is going to be upright and have enough time to be able to get the ball to all of these weapons that, that we have on the outside. The, the funny thing is, and you're right, obviously, right, the offensive line play. And when you came into this offseason, and this is such a hard thing, we talked about him before, you know, when I talk about knocking Nate Solder, it's, because, it's not because of who he is or, or where he's at in his career. It's because of where the offensive line was supposed to be and what his role was supposed to look like for this Giants team, right? When you see... 
you know, Andrew Thomas struggle, not terribly, but but inconsistent in the offseason. And then you see the big time struggles of Matt Pert. It, it, it's funny. I would feel so much differently if you just said Andrew Thomas is going to be solid. Like if you just if you just check that box, even if Pert wasn't going to be the starter, even if it was going to be upheaval on the right side of the line, if you just told me that Thomas was going to play solid, consistent football, just middle of the pack, top, you know, top 20 left tackle in the league, fine. It would completely change the way you feel about it because even though you had the injuries and the retirements, you brought in these other crop of offensive linemen that I think one of them is going to bubble up in the place of Shane Lemieux if needed and play serviceably. We just mentioned the captain, Nick Gates. We like what Hernandez is giving us. Like That that sense of it would feel so much different. And a lot of times when you think about the bookends, right? If you could have left tackle, center, right tackle, great. Fill it in between. But when you do it where you say our strength is in the middle of the line and there's there's danger and risk on the outside, it makes it hard to develop your, your thinking on how the season can go. What I will say is, too, and we talked about this in the offseason, Saquon Barkley didn't play. Kenny Galladay didn't play. Kadarius Toney didn't play. Right. Like all these inconsistencies as well, as far as knowing what this team is going to look like, it's hard to gauge, even with a suspect offensive line, potentially. How does play action work? How effective is the offensive line with Saquon Barkley running the ball behind them? All of these things are going to create a little more balance, a little more time, a little more rhythm. So in theory, I'll, you know, week one, we'll know, right? We'll get a real sense of where things are at. And I, I will say, when we started the offseason and coming out of last year, I was very positive around everything in the growth. Certainly Matt Pert. That's that's the big, that's the big concern out there right now. But I, I have come back kind of, I think, to the to the even keel. I, I almost went completely off the edge, as we all know, uh, watching the Patriots, you know, practices and then watching that preseason game. But I think I've come back to earth here a little bit where it's like, let's get into the regular season. Let's see these first handful of games and, and get a real sense of how the scheme is working, how dynamic having Kenny Galladay, Cardari's Tony now is, is on the way to being able to contribute to this team as well. So, I, I want to hold off on the angst. And as we all know, as soon as things start to happen in week one in real time against a difficult matchup, then then we'll start to have a real a real sense of, of maybe where this season is going to go. But I think this has to be where they start the year and where they finish the year. I, I think this is one of those teams that you have to you have to look at it and say steady progression, right? Getting stronger as the year goes on. Yeah. The, the thing that concerns me most about uh, you know, week one or going into the season is the, the issues and the concerns that giant fans have and that you and I both have are systemic problems that, that are from previous seasons. Oh, it's not, it's not like, Oh, Xavier McKinney has a bunch of drops or Blake Martinez can't tackle right now. It's like, right. Oh no, no, no. We know that like Blake Martinez is going to be a ball Hawk and he's going to be ta- a tackling machine. Like if you saw that in the preseason that he was like missing tackles, you'd be like, you know what? This is out of character. Like we can correct this. We know reversion back to the mean Blake Martinez will be good. The problem is two things. One, we've had concerns about the offensive line for years yeah. and it doesn't look like it's gotten any better in the preseason. So like, it's not like we're like, well, we have, you know, the Blake Martinez type of production to rely on on the offensive line. We don't have that because we haven't seen good offensive line play for the last three or four years minimum. So that's, that's the first thing. The second piece of it, Adam is the Daniel Jones mistakes and fumbles and turnovers that we talk about, how it always happens in critical plays. 
And, we, you know, we see him working hard in the offseason. He's becoming a leader. We're excited about Danny Dimes. We're, we're, we're pushing our chips into the middle of the table. And then all of a sudden, in the, in the one preseason game he plays, he throws like the most bonehead interception on the goal line. And it's those types of plays where we can't look back and say, well, he doesn't commit those normally because those are the type of backbreaking turnovers that giant fans are frustrated in. So for me, the two biggest challenges that we've had historically are Daniel Jones turning the ball over and our offensive line not being good. And we're still seeing some of that creep in during the preseason. Yeah. and Yes. And it's funny too, because the offensive line play um, as positive or as negative as anyone was on it, you come in this offseason, you probably thought you were going, you weren't, it wasn't like we were going to walk in and say, well, look at that. Everyone's a stud, right? We, we knew there was going to be growth there. But the the point about Daniel Jones, this offseason in general, like even that Patriots game, you're like, man, so much solid play, smart throws, great touchdown pass to Caden Smith, et cetera, right? And then that one mistake, right? Because, and, and it's almost as if, if Daniel Jones threw that thing out of the end zone on that play, your entire opinion of Daniel Jones just from like, what can you take away from the off season would be so much different because you'd go, well, the final big dress rehearsal through a high percentage, nice touch pass made smart decisions and just got rid of that thing. Knew when to throw spot. it away. Exactly. You, you know, live to play another down, made sure you got points on the board, however you want to look at it. And oddly enough, one of the plays, just to touch back to last year, you remember it was the, was it the Seattle, was it Seattle game? No, Seattle, uh, uh, St. Louis, right? Uh, St. Louis, LA Rams. He had the opportunity to take, tuck the ball and run. And I debated with you, with pessimistic Mike about, it's not about it that he should have tucked and run. He just shouldn't have, he should have done whatever he was going to do immediately not hesitate be in between indecisive then tries to make the throw it doesn't work interception etc right and that feels like the thing that if you're daniel jones you're supposed to go i remember when you did that just make sure you eliminate that from your game and i don't want to take this one play and then zoom in the microscope and say well this is it i, I think that daniel jones did show progression this offseason but that's kind of the last taste that you get left in your mouth, right? Is like, is that going to be the thing? And when you go into not, we're going to get into again Thursday with the specific week one matchup, but just on a game to game basis, when you look across the field and you think, all right, the offense is going to need time to gel and develop. We love what the defense is doing. But when you make a mistake like that and you take three points off the board, maybe six points off the board, all of a sudden, the three and out stop the defense got now you need another one of those, right? Like the, the impact that that has on the game overall, it, it, it can literally take a game from being, Hey, we have every chance in the world to win this to wow. We're down 10 in the fourth quarter. Right? So that's the, the biggest red flag that I don't want to over over examine right now, even though it's, it's right there. It's right well, there in the back of the mind. But Adam, see, this is the thing though. It, if we've seen it before from Daniel Jones and it's been the concern that everyone's had when it happens, we, I know it's easy to say, Oh, it's just one play, but it's always that one play that changes the game for him. Yeah. Because think about <laughs> it. He, he, his accuracy on all of his other passes was great. He yep. threw the ball. Well, he completed 75% of his passes in the preseason game. Like he had the accuracy that we like. We talked about the pass to Caden Smith. We know that he throws a great deep ball. It's one of the reasons why they went and got Kenny Galladay is because we want to get more vertical. We want to have those high, you know, jump balls that we know Daniel Jones can throw. He throws a beautiful pass to Caden Smith. Yep, check the box. He can throw the ball deep accurately. 
But the one thing we can't shake is the turnovers in very critical situations. And that's why it's so important. You cannot throw an interception on the one yard line. You just cannot do that. Just like you can't fumble the ball in the red zone. Like those are things that we know can't happen. And when they do, that's when everyone goes, oh man, here we go again. Like this is, this is the concern. And now it's rearing its ugly head again. Okay, so we know that that exists, right? We know we have our concerns on the offensive line. We know Daniel Jones, right? We know the things we're positive about. And by the way, we could still say on the defensive side, a question mark is how are you going to still get, get pressure? We feel better about the coverage on the back end, but we're still going to watch for that and how some of these guys develop. They brought in, as we mentioned, a couple another really nice, young, talented defensive prospects uh, into this group uh, following the waiver wire claims. So big picture here, though. The season overall, for, for all the concerns that we do have, I mean, where do you stand on it? Because I have a very, I, I, I've run through the schedule multiple times and I keep coming to the same spot each and every time. I, I can I can flip-flop around a game here and a game there, but I come to the same week every single time and I say, this is, this is where the season is going to be made or broken. And I can basically, I think comfortably, I believe it could go incredibly uh, poorly relative or incredibly well relative, but I have a very specific spot in the season where I say, this is where, the Giants are going to determine their future. What is your outlook? I mean, for all the concerns, do you think that this offense is going to be positive? Do you think Saquon Barkley is going to be Barkley of old and help carry this offense and take that pressure off of Daniel Jones a little bit? Saquon Barkley is where I want to start this piece of it, Adam, because I think because we haven't seen the Saquon that we know for over a year, that people forget that he is arguably the best running back in the league. Like, like, like I'm going to put this, I'm not, I want to put this in this context because it, it's, it's not the right comparison, uh, but from covering the nets, like this is Kevin Durant injury, like in terms of how long he was away from the game and itching to get back. Like has Saquon Barkley checked all the boxes that Kevin Durant has? No, but he's regarded as one of the best players in the game when healthy. And we've waited all this time to see if he still has it. And you'd love for him to go out and be like, yeah, I'm going to Kevin Durant my first game back. You, you're exactly right. And and the other important thing to note is, yes, he got hurt during the season last year. The handful of carries that he had at the beginning of the year is the last thing people remember where he was getting destroyed in the backfield because the line wasn't playing very well when he was there. And let's not forget, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Chicago Bears were like two of the first three teams that the, the Giants played who have awesome defenses, yep. great upfront fronts. like. That is the best defenses that you're going to play basically all season. So I I take all of that with a grain of salt after Saquon got hurt. But you, the the Durant comparison is is fairly accurate. I mean, other than you know Derrick Henry has come on now, and Christian McCaffrey is known as one of the the more athletic can do it all backs. But when you talk about runner who can hit a home run on every single play, that's Saquon Barkley. And I told you in the beginning of the you know beginning of the off season, I'm like he's going to be a full go. And there's not going to be training wheels for Saquon Barkley when he gets back. Like when he goes into that game, and I've, I've been bullish on this for months, when he goes in and plays against Denver, he's getting 20 carries. Like that is happening. We need to what, give man, him the you, ball. Yeah, you, you, you said it, you know, a couple of weeks ago where you thought, yeah, he's going to start. He's going to play week one. And I just, you know, as we said, I want to see him get hit and all these things. But it does seem like it's building towards he's going to be out there. He's going to be a full go. And, and I will – and Andy's getting even more bullish, friends, because he went from he went from ten carries. Now he's up to twenty. Like I think you have him as this is full Saquon Barkley. The regular season is here. We were cautious with you everywhere else. You're healthy. You're ready to go. We can't not 
puts you out there to try to save something or whatever, because at some point you're going to have to go to find out if you can go. Right. Right. And, and listen, it's been less than a year since he tore his ACL. I fully appreciate that with the modern marvels of science players come back in like six to eight months now from ACL injuries. Now, I'm not putting that on Saquon. They said that he's been ahead of schedule this entire time, but they are taking it slow. He's going to be almost a year removed when they kick the ball off on Sunday. And for me, it's it, it, he's either 100% in or you keep him out longer. There's no in-between. You can't have a yeah, guy that's, that's looking to hit home runs and be like, go hit a home run in five snaps. Like that doesn't, to, to me, that's nonsensical. Either he's full go or he needs more time. Because, uh, you know, I've heard people, oh, let's get him five touches here or there. Let's get him the ball seven times. It's like Saquon's the type of guy that could hit a home run on every play. He needs more and more opportunities to hit that home run for the Giants. Yeah. He He's not a Derrick Henry where he's going to get five yards to carry every single time and bowl people over. We're waiting for him to hit the home run. He needs to get the ball more and more. So for me, I've, I've been on this. I think he is going to be a full go. I think he's going to get 20 touches and all this like, we need to be easy with Saquon is going to be like forgotten the second he gets the ball and runs it for 20 yards. I think it's fair. And I, I talked about maybe you ease him into the season, whatever, you know, whatever the case may be. Now, do I think that you could see some management between the quick turnaround on the Thursday night game against Washington? Like, yes, you know, maybe the second game, whatever, but I think I, I, your point is correct. Like if you're healthy, then you're playing. Like, it's not like you're healthy enough for five carries you're not healthy enough because you can get hurt on carry number two you can get hurt on carry number 17 so if you're ready to go you're ready to go so i mean and i am i'm pretty i'm pretty confident in what his season is going to look like for the giants and that's going to alleviate some of the stress i mentioned the the the, the pivotal point when i look out to this season because we can start to get into where do we hang our hats here when it comes to the record for the giants and the outlook for the year overall to set the table uh, for the upcoming season when you look over the schedule, every time that I that I batted around, I think about what's possible. You know, you could you could beat the Saints, you could lose to the Saints. The the Chargers game is an interesting one, et cetera, et cetera. And you can even in the, the Chargers game actually may fall into this category. But I keep getting to the place where twelve I, games in. Go ahead. Oh, interesting. Twelve games in. I was going to guess somewhere else, but twelve games go in. Ahead. Talk well, to me. Yeah. Well, uh, well, so so when you, when you when you look at the Giants' schedule. I just think that basically you can say some of these games are going to be coin flips in terms of, you know, if you have a, have a solid performance, you have a weak performance. Does, does Daniel Jones show up tough defense to play against? How, how long does it take for everyone to get themselves going? But when you go through Denver, Washington division game, Falcons and the saints first four games, you tell me you go two and two in those and split them. I can see it. And I can see it in a couple of different versions. Then you get into the Cowboys, the Rams, the Panthers, the chiefs, over those next stretch of games, again, same kind of mentality. Over those those four games, could you you know could you be one game under coming out of them? Maybe you know two games under, certainly viable. Once you get to the place, I look at it as you come out of the bye week, you play Tampa Bay. That's a really big game for the New York Football Giants, and then you get into the stretch, the big stretch for me. As you head down the end of this season. You're going to, and you can kind of pick your poison here. And I even I, I threw in that Philadelphia game week 12 and the Miami Dolphins week 13 as being these kind of games. So all of a sudden, you're 12 games through. You're going to have five games left to play in this season, three against divisional opponents, one each against the, against all of our division rivals with the Chicago Bears mixed in 
along with kicking it off there with the LA Chargers. Like the Giants are good. If the Giants are six and six going into that final stretch, it's all right there for you. You'll need to go four and one, maybe if they're, you know, seven and five somehow. I, I don't know if I see that being possible, but I just see it as like when you get down there and you see three division games over the final five weeks of your season, I don't think anyone's going to run away with this division. So you're going to be able to say, win those games, split the Chargers and the Bears, and you have a chance to win the division and go to the playoffs. And I just don't, barring getting bullish early in the season on how this team looks, specifically on the offensive side, I just don't see a lot of games where you say, oh, that's an automatic win, right? And if anything, there's a handful of games where you'd say, if I'm going to go win or loss, if I had to, I'm going to be on the side of a loss more often than I'm on the side of the win. And an early game like the Saints was one of those ones that I thought, hey, that's a very winnable game. Until you see how Jameis Winston has looked in the preseason. Looks like he's come back into form a little bit, and that changes how that looks, right? Now you're circling the Atlanta game and saying, well, you got to win this one. Like, they're not a good enough team defensively to stop us as long as we can do anything offensively. So the ring-a-ding-ding, bells are going off in my head, and I just, I see it I, I see it as, you know, week, what will be week 14 cut with the bye week mixed in there is here we go. Like th- this is the run. It's going to come down to those last handful of games at the end of the season. And if the giants in December and January can win meaningful games and get themselves an opportunity to win the division. So Adam, you went further along into the season than I expected you to. I do think that that is an interesting run with the division games towards the end of the season. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to understate the bears game having, tons of importance for the giants across a whole host of reasons you know one being that they want to try to make the playoffs two is you know the giants own the chicago bears draft pick for next season so handing them an additional loss only makes the giants draft pick better so like if you think about that that that's got huge implications but to me adam i think you're going too far down the road in the season where like i think we're already going to know where this team stands much earlier in the season than you have it. And it, and for me, the game that I'm circling is the seventh game of the season. And that is at the giants at home against the Carolina Panthers. Right? So that is, that is the seventh game of the season. So when you think about where the giants are going to be, unless there's a tie, you're either going to have a winning record or a losing record at that point. Right. And when you look at what the giants have in those first seven games, the New York football giants are only going to be favored potentially in two of those games. They're going to be favored at home against the Falcons and presumably at home against the Panthers. Every other game, they're going to be underdogs. So what Vegas is telling you is the Giants are going to finish the first seven games of the season, two and five. That's what they're telling us is the Giants record after seven games. And I'll tell you, if we're two and five after seven games, we've got a very, very long rest of the season because the next games are the Chiefs the Raiders and the Buccaneers and the best that you're going to do is what one and two in those games, like potentially. So, you know, going to Tampa Bay and going to Kansas city, you may as well put, put uh, you know, if you're doing check marks on wins and losses. So that would put us at, at best three and nine when we're getting into this stretch that, that, you know, you were talking about before to me, that, that is, that is just not where we can be. So you, you start looking at games that, that we're not going to be favored in the Broncos game at home week one, we're two and a half point underdogs. The Giants, this is the litmus test. We've talked about it all, all offseason. Like, getting three now in some situations. I mean, yeah, Giants getting a field goal at home. Like That means that, they're, that they're a, a, a touchdown deficit if they're underdog, playing. Underdog, yeah, on the, on the road. Yeah, ex- exactly. So, 
you're talking about, is that a winnable game? The answer is yes, it's winnable. I mean, a field goal here or there, complete difference. You're talking about Washington and the Cowboys are two division games. You could potentially split those, go one and one, or that's what you kind of hope for, even though you're going to be an underdog in both those games. And then you have the Saints who like, yeah, Jameis Winston's back, but like, is is he the Jameis Winston of old? Has he, has he had this new renaissance where he's not going to turn the ball over? I don't know. Is that a winnable game for the Giants? So when you look at early on in the season, week seven is the Panthers game. You've got the Rams before that. You've got Washington. We talked about these teams. I think the Giants could realistically beat the Broncos, the Falcons, the Panthers, and then maybe split a division game. That would give them four wins early on. And they could be four and three going into a tougher stretch of the season. At that moment, that Panthers game is, is critical. If they're three and three going into that, you either have a winning record going to face Mahomes um, you know, in Kansas City, or or all of a sudden you're looking at, you know, a, a losing record heading into the, the back half of the season, which I don't know if the Giants have the team to come back from that. Well, well, no, and you know, it's a good spot to point to for sure. I think the reason why I end up getting deeper is because you're right. Like I could see the Giants being two and four heading into that week seven game against the Carolina Panthers, getting that win. Now they're three and four losing to the chiefs. Now you're three and five back home for the Raiders. Now you're four and five, you hit the bye week And when you come out and this is probably, maybe this is like the precursor to the big important games. Like I look at it and say, you should be able, if you're going to lose to Tampa Bay, you're going to lose to Tampa Bay. Uh, you know, it is what it is. But Philadelphia and then even Miami, like I look at those as winnable games and that's how you get yourself back to that 500 piece. But, and, and this is that very tricky world where the back end of the schedule, because again, no matter who you're playing against, if you sit there and you say, well, you could be six and six, you know, going into that last stretch, or you could be five and seven, like all of a sudden five and seven. Well, now you're talking about, you need to win out borderline to get to 10 win, you know, to get to that, that win margin that you're going to need in order to be able to take the division. That becomes, it doesn't matter. It doesn't even the best of teams can still lose a game, let alone if you're a team that's kind of played 500 ball or in and around that world. So I do get that that little extension. Like if you go from Carolina and then include the chiefs and then the Raiders, like I think the Raiders is that very, another very winnable game. And that's how you can, push it a little bit further, but to your, depending on how you think the first handful of games have gone, are the giants one and three, are they zero and four? Well, yeah. Then the script is kind of written. Well, you, you, you mentioned your scenario playing out. You're like two and four against the Carolina Panthers. You go and win that game and, and you're three and four Vegas is saying that the giants are going to be two and five at that point. And that's why that Carolina game is so critical. Remember Carolina. And this is a stat I saw. I, I'll, I will give credit on social media when I, when I find it, but Carolina lost eight of their games were one score games. Like they were in every game and they were competitive last year. And, and now they've got more weapons on the outside. You know, they, they, you know, you've got Sam Darnold, but you think he's an upgrade over Teddy Bridgewater, but like people are saying that they're going to be a 500 team. They're going to be competitive. People are saying very similar things about the Carolina Panthers that they're saying about the Denver Broncos. I look at them very similarly, like, Oh, they got a solid defense. They're going to be in most games. Can their quarterback keep them around? You know, those are two games that that, that are, are just critical as benchmarking games for the Giants. Are you a 500 team? Do you have aspirations to make the playoffs? Or are you worse than those two teams? And you're and you're really more on the level of someone like the Atlanta Falcons, yeah. right? Yeah, like, yeah, no, that's the critical piece for me. A hundred percent. And that's why, as we say at the end of the day, you know, a lot of these teams have everyone starting the same boat, right? We're, we're Giants fans. We're watching the Giants. We're thinking they're improving. 
Carolina thinks they're improving, right? Atlanta thinks that they're coming back with, with Matt Ryan and doing interesting things. So like every one of these games is going to also morph as far as perspective as the season starts to get underway and we get a sense of where these teams really are at. That being the case, before we start to look ahead on Thursday to the Denver Broncos game, plant a flag, man. The New York football giants will finish with a record of what when this season is all said and done. Oh, subject to change pending a lot of different (laughs) things, Adam. Um, But, but again, brimming with confidence without, without laboring the point. And I'm going to sound like uh, I'm being as neutral as possible. I, the more I break down the schedule, the more I do see seven and 10 as, as the giants record. And it's less about them not being a good team. But man, the schedule is tough for the Giants. They they have to go to Kansas City. They have to go to Tampa Bay. Like they they have to go to Chicago at the end of the season when playing in Chicago is not fun. Like yep. they 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 have the Rams coming to town. These are all out of division games that are not going to be easy wins that the Giants will likely have a losing record with. And then when you, even if you give credit where credit's due in the division and you say the Giants are going to be 500 in the division, that ends up giving you 3 wins. We're talking about four wins across the rest of the games, and that's against Justin Herbert and the Chargers. That's against the Dolphins, who have aspirations of, of winning football games. That's against the Saints. You know, that's against the Carolina Panthers that we just talked about before. So you go three and three in the division, and then we got to find another four wins from all of those playoff caliber type teams that I'm mentioning now. That is a tough, tough road. But I think seven wins right now is probably where where things lie. The New York football giants will go four and two in their division this season. The New York football giants will finish 10 and seven on the year. There's going to be some games that are going to surprise some people. You take your choice Two super bowl appearing teams, one, one, one lost. The giants are going to either take that game off a table or take the game off the chiefs. I just, I am going to go with the fact that I believe whether there's a problem on the right side of this offensive line or not, that the Giants are going to, at the worst case scenario, scheme themselves to success offensively like we saw them do in the second half of the year, even just from a running standpoint, right? You were able to do some things in the back end of the year before Daniel Jones had his injury. He's obviously our X factor, but I just, I'm going to go with confidence on this, that the Giants, especially this defense, is going to step up in big ways over the course of the season and maybe even surprise some people early in the year. And that's how you can set yourself up for success on the back end. We will be in on Thursday, as we said, Candace Cooper joining us. We're going to cover the line, make our picks for the games, and talk about some of the key matchups. I'm going to leave you with, if I could, friends, just a brief, and what I mean by brief is slightly long-winded quote. I don't know what to say, really. Three minutes to the biggest battle of our professional lives all comes down to today. And either we heal as a team or we're going to crumble inch by inch, play by play until we're finished. We're in hell right now, gentlemen, believe me. And we can stay here and get the shit kicked out of us, or we can fight our way back into the light. We can climb out of hell one inch at a time. Now, I can't make you do it. You got to do it for the guy next to you. Look into his eyes. I think you're going to see a guy who will go that extra inch with you. You're going to see a guy who will sacrifice himself for this team because he knows when it comes down to it, you're going to do the same for him. That's a team, gentlemen. And either we heal now as a team or we die as individuals. That's football, guys. That's all it is. Now, what are you going to do? Any given Sunday, friends. Oh, Albert Pacino, my friends. Take that to heart. Let that 
boil up inside you over the days ahead as we charge towards the New York football it's Giants boys, baby. Let's do it! And as Andy Makowitz wants, needs, and demands the people know. Even more importantly, as we know week one, as always, let's go Big Blue.